You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and on Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard live here exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. We are broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa, California. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider to listen to the show live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Smart Business Magazine, Decision Toolbox, The Center Club, and Vanguard University. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs and business owners, to make better and more informed decisions. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our first guest today, Joe Payne, who is the president and CEO of Arcturus Therapeutics Incorporated. Joe, welcome to the program. Hi, Rick. It's good to be with you. Thanks. You're welcome. Let's let's start very simply by asking you to tell us a little bit about your professional background, Joe. Sure. I'm a chemist. Okay, that's good. Okay, I'm, I'm a chemist. I started my career at Dupont Pharmaceuticals on the on the East Coast, and Bristol Myers Squibb, uh-huh. um, uh, Big Pharma, Merck, right. and then I. I uh, came over to the West Coast after a great conference in San Diego. I knew I wanted to move to California. And uh, <laughs> What time of the year was that? It, it, it was actually April. Oh, okay. And everyone everyone was complaining about how cold it was, and it was so beautiful. So I, I knew that I was going to move here. So I, I took the opportunity to come out to another uh, at Merck in San Diego, and I've been here ever since. Um, but my background has been in drug discovery in the in the small molecule arena, and uh, had you know the wonderful privilege of uh, bringing a lot of programs into the clinic, and and then I, I transitioned over into a specialized area of drug discovery uh, in RNA medicines or ribo, ribonucleic acid medicines, uh, and how we deliver those and, and some special you know chemistry that's associated with that, and that transition occurred over the last several years, and 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 then. Uh, that became somewhat ambitious and decided to set up a new company called Arcturus Therapeutics. But and we're going to talk about that absolutely in the newsletter that we sent out earlier this week. Uh, we asked our guests if they were interested in RNA technologies because we basically told them that you're going to be joining our show today to talk about your new firm and also how you're using RNA technologies to help with the treatment of disease and improving the quality of life. So tell us about Arcturus Therapeutics. Okay, Arcturus. First of all, the name. You know, what, what is in the name? Arcturus is a star. It's the first star you see tonight. So, the you know, a starlight, star bright, first star I see sure. tonight, that's Arcturus Therapeutics, okay? okay? Uh, interestingly, uh, there's other RNA companies that are also stars, uh, L. Nylum and Regulus, to name a few. Um, and we just happen to be the brightest. So we uh, uh, we thought it was a perfect way to, to, to start off a company with a, a star that people recognize. In So I need you to... You're yep. talking to an audience of CEOs and business owners of many different companies in many different industries, $100 million yeah. or less. What is it specifically that your firm is endeavoring to do? We are an RNA medicines company, a therapeutics company that focuses on RNA medicine. We also have enabling technologies that help other RNA medicine companies. Um, ribonucleic acids are very large molecules uh, and somewhat complex. 
Um, they're exciting right now. There was a Nobel Prize for RNA interference, for example, back in 2006. So there's a lot of attention to this type of, uh, you know, this type of therapeutic, RNA therapeutics. Um, but all of the RNA medicine companies struggle because these molecules are so big, how are they going to get into the cell? So how do we deliver these? How do we transport them um, from the bloodstream, for example, into the cell? So you need a delivery solution. Okay. And so we've developed an amazing delivery solution as well. So the short answer is we're an RNA medicines company, but we have a couple enabling technologies called Unlock Nucleic Acid uh, Chemistry and... Uh, a delivery solution called Lunar. Okay, and so in case you're listening live today, and many of you are, we will not be taking calls in to go deeper on this kind of conversation. Yeah. We're going to keep it at this level for the rest of the audience yes. so we get a general sense for the am- amazing work that you and your firm right. and your industry are doing to help people recover and get healthy again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you're in Southern California. Yeah. You're in San Diego. Yeah, we're in San Diego and La Jolla. Uh, the, the Johnson & Johnson actually has a beautiful facility. And they have an incubator um, where they've invited uh, uh, several companies uh, that are new, uh, new biotech companies to okay. set up shop at Johnson & Johnson in La Jolla. It's a fantastic, beautiful facility, and, and, and we're located at Janssen Labs in the J&J facility. So we're in a tech-space facility here in Costa Mesa, and this is yeah. an incubator for technology companies and other firms, the radio station. Yeah, it sounds like uh, this was set up specifically in your industry to help startup companies. For sure. J&J is a big company, um, and it's sometimes a, a challenge for large pharmaceutical companies to keep their, I guess, <laughs> to keep close to the, the new cutting-edge technologies that are coming out. So they okay. opened up a wing of their building to and invited them. Uh, to, to to come into their incubator so that they can keep tabs on what's uh, what breakthrough technologies are coming. Well, this uh, is super interesting because just yesterday we had a guest on and we were talking about innovation. Yeah. And his firm works with companies to help make sure that you have a culture that enables innovation. And it sounds like to me, maybe I'm wrong, this is a way for J&J to have innovation, but it doesn't have to happen inside of J&J. They do it with startups and entrepreneurs like yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and it was so successful that they've replicated um, this process or the, this style of incubator in San Francisco, in Boston, and abroad, overseas, in, in London, in China. So it's just, a, it's just a really successful way for large pharmaceutical companies to, to successfully do research right. and development. And, so and what, we're glad to be a part of it, for okay, sure. Okay, so that you led, led me to the next question, then. We have about two minutes till our yeah. first commercial break, Joe. Um, what is the advantage to you and your firm? I see what the advantage is to J&J. What's the advantage to you and your firm? The advantage that we have is we have um, our technologies enable us to go after every single gene target. So there's 20,000 different types of genes in your body. That's a lot of different diseases. Uh, and usually a company will go after just one. But we have enabling really breakthrough technology, not just a platform technology, but transformative or revolutionary. Wow. We can pursue any gene, any one, and we can modulate it. We can modulate it up or down. So if you have a disease gene, we can knock it down, it's called. It's like a, it's like a faucet that's leaky. Mm-hmm. We can turn it off. Okay. Now, most drugs out there deal with the, the, the spilled water on the ground. And so you come along with a mop to deal with it, but you don't correct the problem. Right. What Arctos Therapeutics does with RNA is we go in and we turn off the gene. Wow. So it's a beautiful process. But other genes, there's not enough. So we don't have, we need to, 
they have a weak gene. That's their disease. Some, some people suffer from weak genes. So we go in and strengthen it. We hmm. dial it up. And we can do that with messenger RNA and a different type of RNA. So we have this capability to modulate genes in every single one. And it really genuinely sets us apart. We're the only one that can go after all of these genes with superior technology. This is exciting, not only for what your company is doing, but what you and your industry is doing to what I think is take the next step in how we treat disease and people with ailments. It's so much more precise. We're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Joe Payne, Joseph Payne, Arcturus Therapeutics, he is the CEO, your founder of the firm as well. We're going to come back, Joe, and I'm going to ask you um, a question. Your company is fairly new. We talked about that. You founded a year ago. I'd like to know what kind of challenges and obstacles you faced in your business in your early startup phase. So be thinking about that. Ladies and gentlemen, go nowhere. We'll be back in two minutes with Joe Payne after these words from our commercial sponsors. Excellent. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well... What happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com He used to pester me for a walk. Now it's the other way around. Hoag Physicians perform more orthopedic procedures than any other hospital in Orange County. Our orthopedic program, in fact, ranks among the top five in the entire country. So whatever it is you live for, you can get back to it sooner. Because as it turns out, the best part of life is simply living it. Hoag for life. Visit us at www.hoag.org. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other podcasting-oriented sites. All right, our first guest is Joe Payne. He is the founder, CEO of Arcturus Therapeutic. Before the break, I said I was going to ask you to just give us a snapshot as an entrepreneur. What have been the trials and tribulations in your early startup phase? Right. All right. Well, for the first was garnering the attention of people 
that uh, would be willing to give us cash, okay, resources to, you know, we had a great idea and the right people and we needed uh, money. Mm-hmm. And, and how we did that was very unique. Um, so I considered that a significant challenge. Can we cover that in a minute? Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Or we can proceed. Or, or right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I, I do like to point out that there was a great article by uh, Luke Timmerman at, from Xconomy, and he uh, identified the top 45 biotech companies uh, from uh, 2013, the freshman class, he called it. <sighs> and we were one of those, and, and we're, it, was, it was just a, great for him to acknowledge us. But what I also observed or noticed is that we were the only one in the top 45 that raised our money without venture capital. And so this garnered the attention of the biotech community. How did we do that? Right. Uh, we, we just got a great international mix of personal investors that are interested in what we're doing. They're very excited with this technology. And as we've told the story, uh, there's reasons for that. But we got wonderful investors from Japan and, and, and Canada and, of course, here in the United States that funded us. Mm-hmm. And we avoided venture capital along the way. But that was one of the key challenges. And, of course, identifying a solution for our, our flagship asset, our, our first disease that we're pursuing, which is an extremely rare disease that's lethal and uh, very serious called TTR-mediated amyloidosis. But it's just an extremely rare disease where the liver produces a messed-up protein. Like you and I, it, Rick, come on, you and I have liver that that works really well. Yeah, it's been tested. Uh, yeah, okay, it works great. But the, it produces a lot of proteins. But there's some uh, people that suffer from rare genetic diseases where their protein uh, is it is in excess or it produces errant or, or mutated protein. Uh, and for this particular disease, it's it's very fatal after two to uh, after, as early as after two years after diagnosis. So they go into the doctor and they have tingly hands, like carpal tunnel syndrome, okay. or they have tingly feet and they think they have a circulation problem. Right. And then the doctor goes, I, "I just took a blood test and you got less than two years to live," and it's just wow. a very serious uh, disease. And we have the tools to to fix it, to wow. not just not just. Uh, extend life but to to cure disease right and so we're we're excited that we're pursuing this target this um you know this this rare diseases are to, to exemplify or show off our technologies and at the same time help people that are definitely in need of uh, effective treatments can i can i circle back to something that you said earlier i, I know that you secured five million dollars in funding and yeah. and i know that's that's a significant amount of funding which obviously speaks to the potential that people see, the industry, the uh, investors see in your firm. You use the term, we avoided venture capital. Yeah. So uh, can you just help me to, because that kind of hit my ear. Yep. I just want to, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, when when people are trying to start up a company, uh, you know, they're, they'll take money from wherever it comes, right? They, they just really believe in their idea and they're passionate about it. Unfortunately, venture capital will seize on that opportunity and they will take substantial amounts of equity. Right. And, and, and so they should. They're in the business of making money. Uh, so, but if you can avoid venture capital, then it, it means that less equity is lost in the process, especially in the early seed round and mm-hmm. Series A funding for companies. So we're just very happy to avoid that. And that's a very good sign companies that do that in other industries typically do very well. So the $5 million that you were able to raise, I mean, how important do you think, and what message is that sending uh, to the industry, to your competitors, to the rest of the, I mean, how do you feel about your ability to be able to command that type of investment at this oh, stage? I, I, well, I think, first of all, it tells that the public, the general public, not just um, venture capital firms, but 
the general masses uh, believe in RNA technologies, that it genuinely is going to be the next wave of therapeutics. It, so so it, 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 it comforts me as a CEO that we, if we choose to do an initial public offering someday, that there'll be substantial interest from, indeed, the public, right. uh, not just a subset of banks or, or niche investor groups. Um, so I think it's, it has an optimistic horizon. Uh, because we've captured the interest of the public at such an early stage. It's highly unusual. Right, it is. You talked about using the J&J facility and that great relationship and the value that it presents to you and to them. Um, Are there any other medical institutions, organizations in the San Diego area that are also a part of kind of what you're doing in the space? Yeah, uh, that's a great great question. First of all, with RNA medicines, San Diego is the hub in the world, in really? the entire world. There's a company called Isis. There's a company called Regulus. Now there's there's other companies local and the, the academic institutions local, the Sanford Burnham Institute and Scripps. It, there's a lot of uh, expertise in RNA medicines right here locally in San Diego. So I think San Diegans should be very proud of what they're producing out out there over there in Sereno Valley. Well, I think it's it's the whole ecosystem, right, Joe, that you yeah. need to have to successfully launch these types of startup companies Absolutely. that are that are on new frontiers and are really figuring out breakthrough technologies. It takes academia, it takes industry, it takes private investors, it takes guys like you that yeah. are willing to give up a day job and take the risk of, yep. of starting this company. And then to see the good that it the potential that it has and the results, that's got to be uh Nothing wrong with selling bolts and screws. Right. I, the world needs those as well, yeah. right? But in this space, you're you're hedging a, fort, a frontier that you know it's it's all virgin. Oh yeah, it's extremely rewarding. Um, the innovation can be rewarding. Uh, helping patients that are desperately in need can be. Of course, that's rewarding as well. So it's a great industry. It's a fantastic company. I have to go off script just for a second. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if your parents are still with us here on the earth. Yeah. Okay, great. Absolutely. What do they say when somebody says, so what's Joe doing now? <laughs> what is Joe doing? That's a great question. Well, my mom would say, just say, uh, changing the world or something. Okay. Something just, she, she's always the been the dreamer. Ever since I was a little kid, she's like, you can do whatever you want. You can change the world. So she would say something like that. Good for her. My dad would just say, uh, I'm really proud of him. He's, uh, he's helped patients in need and uh, you know hopefully uh, this success can uh, you know fulfill the, the dreams and desires of not just me but everyone associated with Arcturus great I didn't mean to get personal with no. you but I was just curious it, it would be sometimes it's hard for parents to explain what their kids are doing and in your space I would think it would be difficult to get into the specifics of yeah. exactly what you're doing yeah. other than changing the world in it a positive way. It can be complicated way. science for sure. Alright so I'm going to have you back some point in the future you're going to be talking about Arcturus Therapeutics at that point Absolutely. what's the future hold? Where do you see the growth opportunities? What's the vision Joe for your firm? Well uh, first of all our flagship asset we're going to be pushing forward. We need to get it in patients as soon as possible to treat those suffering from amyloidosis. Uh, After that, we're going to be doing deals. There's a lot of interest from big, uh, mid, and small pharmaceutical companies for our technologies. Um, We have the lunar delivery technology, and and we have this uh, unlocked nucleic acid technology that is garnering the interest of the of the scientific and the biotech community and the pharmaceutical community. So I think we're going to be engaging a lot of partnerships um, that's going to really validate Arcturus and our and who we are. Um, and then we're going to prepare for an IPO in 2015, and I think that's when we're going to be far more visual. 
and and so we're looking forward to the, that. The 2014 is going to be a crazy year in good. a very good way for Great. hunters. I, I sense that it comes through uh, in your demeanor, comes through in your voice. I hear it in this in the uh, headphones. Um, is it ever in your role as the CEO? Is it ever challenging though to have this many outside? interests slash distractions i mean oh yeah yeah we're we're always dealing with the the huge scope and potential of arcturus but remaining laser focused on our core asset which is ttr mediated amyloidosis so we have this wonderful mixture of 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 just a really huge potential as a company great upside but staying focused like you mentioned yeah it's uh we we do it's a good struggle. It's a very good problem to have. Right, but it is it is a real dis- they are real distractions that if you if you don't stay disciplined, yeah. my experience is and not just in your industry but any industry where you have a hot commodity with a lot of people who want to get yeah. a piece of it and partner um sometimes it can take you off the rails if the CEO isn't back at the ranch also making sure that the blocking and tackling are done on a regular basis that gets you to your goal. Absolutely. Couldn't said it better. All right, so if someone would like to learn more about your firm, how do they find you online? Oh, uh, ArcturusRx.com. So uh, if you Google just Arcturus, you're going to get all that stuff about the stars. <laughs> all right, so astronomists know us very well. But if you do Arcturus Therapeutics or A-R-C-T-U-R-U-S-R-X.com, you can learn more. We also have great videos for non-scientists as well to get familiar with our technology. Uh, you know, just fantastic uh, work by our you know our marketing group um, to help educate the community on what we're doing yeah you have a uh, I'd have to say that you came to uh, our attention here on the radio show through uh, organically through your marketing people through your organization and, yeah. and I just want to thank them for bringing you to onto the show this is I love to have entrepreneurs and especially when you're so close to the beginning of something that could be so uh, large yeah. and impactful it is wonderful that you spent the time with our audience here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Thanks for being a friend of the program and, and welcome to our business community. Thank you, Rick, very much. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Our pleasure. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout uh, commercial break from our valued sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere because Kenneth Hulbert, who is with Daum Commercial Real Estate, will be our second guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. 
Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. Last month, we delivered 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. And if you'd like to learn more, then contact our advertising department at 949 887 4104. All of our shows can be found on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, let's return to our second guest. Kenneth Holbert, who is the Executive Vice President with Dom Commercial Real Estate Services, is here today. Ken, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Let's start by asking you to give a brief synopsis of your professional background. I was fortunate enough out of college to uh, be hired by what I thought was a great corporation at the time and still do, Xerox Corporation. Worked for them for over seven years. I believe I probably spent two years in training, right. sales training, that really was a foundation for everything I've done the rest of my life. After about seven years, I saw opportunities in commercial real estate. It was a growing field, and I entered it. And prior to coming to work for my current employer, uh, or for firm for which I'm a partner, Dom Commercial Real Estate, I worked for Charles Dunn Company hmm. for a number of years. And prior to that, worked for a company that no longer exists called Ashwell Burke. All right, so let's let's talk about Dom and help me to understand from your perspective what makes your firm different in commercial real estate. Why do people choose to do business and work with you? I think one of the main reasons is that Dom is small enough where we provide the personal service. We're not shifting you off to some trainee or some young person. 
uh, yet we are large enough where we have all the, we have a research staff, we have uh, um, access to all the various databases. Again, all this costs money, but it's tools that we have readily available for everyone who works for our firm, so we can provide our clients with the best possible service. I have here in my notes that you're the oldest real estate firm in California. Is that 1904? Was when the really? found, yeah first license ever issued in California. In California, I can't even imagine what California was like in 1904. <laughs> I can't. But I, I would love to be in the real estate business <laughs> in 1904. Imagine, huh? Exactly. For those that were, their names are on buildings around here, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, our founders are quite famous. So they've got a certificate from the L.A. City Council. They got in a car in the 30s and drove to the Midwest and East to talk companies into coming to the Golden State. <laughs> And I believe I saw that the uh, founders actually brought over 5,000 companies to wow. California. Wow. They had a hand in making us such a large and healthy economy. Vibrant, huh? Absolutely. Wow. Good. Well, congratulations. That's a legacy to be proud of. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you. You've had over 30 years of sales and sales management experience. hope you don't mind me saying That's that. That's okay. okay. From your perspective, what makes a top sales performer? On one hand, there's this innate fire in their belly to show up for work every morning prepared and ready to go with a plan that they're ready to execute. They don't show up at 9 o'clock. They're there at 6.30, at 7. They're the ones who start the coffee in the morning. They're the ones who are there prepared to start the day and work hard throughout the day. And they all have a plan, and they execute their plan. Right. And... um from my perspective of your industry, commercial real estate can be a very challenging industry to break into. Correct. And, and even stay in. I mean, you build your reputation, it gets easier, but it's never easy. Your industry is never, from what I can tell, an easy sell. Never. And it can be somewhat cyclical. Yes. So, so uh, I, I think that really makes, really then makes sales skills and disciplined work habits even more important because I have seen in the boom times salespeople think they're really good and they're just riding the wave it happens all the time unfortunately and uh, sometimes we get a little full of ourselves but we have to remember that if you don't build a good foundation you've got nothing to fall back on i mean i'm proud to say that the first client i ever had in this business is still a friend and is still a client really yeah it's easier to keep a client than to go get a new one it is it, that, it, it's great to also have clients that are growing companies, especially in your space, right? I mean, I, absolutely, I mean, absolutely, space, in your industry, because they, they need new things and constantly growing out of their current facilities, and that's wonderful. Or reconfiguring. Okay, changing the inside. Because Change, well, changing the inside, but the world is changing. We never used to have people that we trusted to work at home. Today, a large percentage of the workforce works from home. Right. So, um, you know, the market's constantly changing. So you've sold over 125 offices in industrial buildings? I have. So in Southern California? In Southern California. Actually, throughout the country, but the majority in Southern California. So you must drive around and go, sold that, sold that, sold that twice. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I've had real estate 
people in the real estate industry in here. And one of the things that I hear many times from the real estate professionals is it's a great industry because you can actually see, if you're a builder or whatever, uh, an excavator, you can actually see your work. And you can sort of share with your family what you do and how you've done it. So for, do you share with that in your, in your space? I mean, do you... Do, we talk about it. I go buy properties, and I'll say something to my wife, and her eyes will roll because she's used to hearing it. But it also, when you're showing people property, to be able to talk about what's going on in the neighborhood, the history of a property, um, it means a lot to your clients to know that you are knowledgeable on areas that you're showing them. So so we have a few minutes till our next commercial break, but I'm wondering, uh, could could we kind of go off script just a little bit can you from your perspective with your success and presence in this market over 30 years of experience what ha- what what is the current state of the commercial real estate market in southern california in southern california it's really divided into two halves the coastal area and the inland empire the coastal area is on fire haven't created any new land so the industrial market is very very vibrant Orange County, vacancy below 5%. Go to L.A. County, the rate's uh, below 2%, the vacancy rate. So wow. very vibrant. For industrial space. For industrial space. Okay. Um, part of that's because the ports of L.A. and of Long Beach, you know, no one realizes it, but Southern California has over 3.6 million people working in manufacturing. So we got the points. We got the we have the ports. We have the manufacturing, and that keeps driving us out into the Ontario area. And Ontario's doing well. Um, Ontario, Fontana, that whole area is doing well. Okay. For, you, further further east? east. Further east, it's still a tough go. Okay. Um, San Bernardino. If you go down the the fifteen um, towards Murrieta in Paris, they're still trying to make a comeback. Okay. What about commercial? not industrial space office space um i was just told yesterday that uh, give you an example in uh orange county i believe the irvine company their occupancy in their office space is uh in excess of 98 percent really and um there's still opportunities overall southern california has about a 15 percent vacancy 15 but the buildings and, and the properties that have amenities Right. Amenities that, that uh, companies want for their employees, close to restaurants, easy access, close to the freeway, they're booming. Wow. And especially since, really, if you think about it, no buildings have really been built, except for a couple going up in Fashion Island right now, you know, for uh, a number of years since right. this recession started. Right. So it would make sense that the supply has to catch up to the demand at some point, right? Exactly. So, so we're now on that side of the curve. Yes. It's not, okay, and it's maybe accelerating, too, as the economy improves. Okay. Well, Ken, let's take our next and last commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you this question. Of all the things you've learned, is there a key lesson that you've learned that helps you frame your business practice. Here on the radio program, we say, what's your guiding principle? So think about that. We've got three minutes to get you ready. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after three minutes here on Critical Mass Radio Show after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. 
Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 copies of the show during the last 30 days. We here at the program truly appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, we're talking with Kenneth Kenneth Holbert. Can I call you Ken? Please. Okay. From Dom Commercial Real Estate Services. Before the break, Ken, I said I was going to ask you to share your guiding principle. Would you be so kind? To try and make it as succinct as possible, I would say my most guiding principle is that I want to understand my client's business and make him feel and understand that my interests and his interests are aligned. I'm not in this business to do one transaction. I'm in this business for the long haul. As you said, I've been in it for 30 years. I want my clients to know that their interests and my interests are aligned. Are there people in your industry that are in it for the transaction? I'm sure there are, but they tend to be in any business, and they don't have a long lifespan. They don't last, huh? No, they don't. Yeah. What's Think back if you can, to your own personal experience or others that you've coached and mentored along the way, is there, other than a disciplined work effort and practice and being a professional, are there things that in your space of commercial real estate that people do early in their career that kind of help them to be in it for a long time? Because my sense is there are there have been historically people who attempt to get into commercial real estate but don't make it don't don't get to the transactions don't ever hit what i would think of as critical mass when, when you look at that it, first of all is my appraisal of that situation accurate you're accurate and, and, and secondly is there any set of circumstances that you've seen or characteristic that say okay that person's gonna she's gonna make it because you know i see something in her well the first thing that tells me someone's gonna make it is if they're into the office at the same time of the morning that i'm in okay because it shows they want to be in the business if they have an inquisitive mind, you can tell. 
There's a lot of ways to show a property to a client. You can open the door and stand back and be quiet and not answer or, or direct or guide. But buildings all have certain attributes, and they also have some negative features. A good broker knows what to explain to the client, what's positive, what's negative. You want your client to be able to understand everything, and you need to be knowledgeable. And unless you pick up the in-depth knowledge and explain how the property got developed, who developed, how this building's put together, why it would work for them, why it might not work for them. These are all things that, that aid in making a broker successful and giving a client confidence that he's dealing with the right broker. And I, I had one time in my career when I was president and general manager at Delphi, we moved from our manufacturing facility in Barranca to a scientific and engineering facility in Irvine, but down on Technology Way. And that's the only experience that I had of having to look at proper... You know, I've bought houses before, but I never had to look at a commercial, and, and it and it's a different beast. I it mean, is. it's it's not like buying a residence, and there are so many things that you have to be educated about, um, just in selecting the property, let alone navigating the transaction, because the seller or the rent, the leaser, whatever the right term is, they're not always on the same page as the tenant, right. are they? And there's a lot of deal points that can be negotiated that if you don't have the right person in your corner, you can you can make some bad decisions. You can make some bad decisions. And the other thing that happens, especially for people buying what we'll call smaller properties, they might try and save a buck or two along the way. And when it comes to hiring inspectors or the consultants that are needed to help do a review of a property prior to closing, they may buy the guy who's you know a dollar ninety five instead of the uh, person who's got the reputation and the knowledge to do a good job, i.e., hiring a home inspector to mm. do an inspection on an office building or any other commercial property. Yeah, and as I think back on that time, I really leaned on the two people that were my agents to to help me. I mean, if they gave me a referral, I basically went with their service providers. I just figured the more that I keep in the same area, the less risk I'm putting myself under. So if, if I trust my agent, my broker, then I ought to trust the service providers that they recommend to come along with me, because then I kind of have a single point of focus. I didn't need a bunch of other people who I didn't know in an area that I had no expertise with. You really do feel, at least I did, I felt um, really uncomfortable because I didn't. I had never done this before, and this isn't the kind of thing you can change your mind on. Once you sign that, you're in for five or seven or whatever the term of the. You're, you're signing up for a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so let me change the focus to CEOs and business owners who listen to this radio program. Hundred million dollar companies. Um, maybe they're thinking, is it time now that I should think about buying versus leasing? From what we said earlier before the break, what would be your advice? And I'm not looking for you to say anything that you can't you know, feel comfortable saying on the radio show. But from a, from a professional's look at the marketplace, what kind of general advice would you give to a business owner who's in that space? General advice I would give is have them ask the question of themselves, am I growing? If I buy a building today, will I be outgrowing it within five years? If that's the case, then you also have to understand that with real estate, it has ups and downs. And the only way you can make money in buying or selling real estate is if you can control when you sell the real estate. Not when you buy it. Well, when you buy it is one thing. But as you know, not a lot of land being created. But if you have to sell in a down market, right. you're probably going to lose money. Right. So I tell people if you are in a growth spurt, you see your business growing, you see your business changing, maybe you should look at leasing. Because with leasing, 
you, you can at least know that you, when your lease is up, you can renegotiate it, you can move, you can increase your square footage, you can downsize. As an example, if you're in an office building and you lease 1,000 square feet and you grow, odds are that there's some point where you can expand to the space next door. Mm-hmm. If you need to downsize, that's all possible. But if you own the four walls around you, it's kind of hard to expand. Right. You're kind of landlocked, and it's very dangerous to have people in multiple buildings. It's funny how physic- the physicality of a building, the physical layout, can create cultural differences, emotional disconnections. It's it it's really, you ha- as a leader, you have to really think about where am I putting people because I, I, I've worked at places where we've had multiple buildings, and you almost start defining the other employees as those people from the third floor or in the other building. It's like it really permeates your culture if you're not thoughtful in that, isn't it? It, it really does. And, in fact, uh, especially with high-tech companies, you really don't want to be in a more than probably three stories. You know, Ideally, you'd like mm-hmm. to be in two. Because each wall, each floor is a barrier to communications. Right. Interesting stuff. You know, I, um, I've i been working with CEOs and business owners for, for a while, and we have about four minutes left here on the radio program. And, and I remember in the early days, for me at least, in 2007, 8, and 9, sometimes those business owners who purchased their building previously all of a sudden felt what was a great decision four years ago was now sort of a, a difficult situation for them to to kind of handle because they had to service the debt and they were shrinking and and so uh, I'm not sure we're ever going to see that again. Let's hope from a business from an economic. Uh, but what advice would you have given to those p- guys and ladies who own businesses who felt that their their building was maybe not their smartest acquisition at that time? Do you have any psychology or coaching that you could have given them? The not really. The only thing I, I tell people is that if you have to get rid of real estate, if you have to sublet real estate, uh, if you have to sell real estate uh, in tough times, don't follow the market down. Pick a number that you can live with. Hopefully it's lower than your competitor and sell as fast as you can or sublease as fast as you can because the only the pain's only going to endure. Yeah, time's not your friend in that situation. Exactly. Is it be the be one of the early ones out? Yes. Yes. And only the early ones out, first one out is the safest one. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to ask you another question and you may choose to tell me that I'm wrong and I would accept that, Ken. Um, why are landlords so difficult to work with? Well, I don't know that I think landlords are so See, I was hoping you would challenge me on that. um, It's a case of if you've negotiated the lease well, and you as the uh, person signing the document understand the obligations and what you've signed up for, I find most of the landlords are pretty easy to get along with. It's a contract. You have to understand that, and you have obligations, and they have obligations. Right. And basically, they just want the rent paid on time. Right. And they'll provide the services contracted for. And I, my my advice would be, read the contract. Absolutely. I mean, that may sound stupid of me to say, but I mean, in some ways, that's the governing document for your relationship, right? It is, but one of the, the saddest things is a lot of people say they want to save the uh, attorney's hours, <laughs> and uh, they'll read it themselves. And you know, the first thing I do is look at a document and say, well, there's this whole insurance section. I'm not an insurance professional. Give it to your insurance broker. Have him read it. Make sure it's in conformity with the policies that you've got. Right. I'll look at the deal points to make sure all the deal points are there. That's my job. Right. You have an attorney, and I don't want your 
family attorney, I want a real estate attorney to look at the document and make sure that it's everything you need it to be because I don't practice law. Right. It's like penny wise and pound foolish in that way. Exactly. It's like getting the inspector who really isn't capable to do the job, but they're cheaper, so you hire them. Yeah, I always say CEOs and business owners of middle market companies should hire the best service providers they can afford. Absolutely. And don't go cheap on that. Get the best people you can afford because in the end you're going to get a return on that expense, on that investment versus going, especially on something like this because you never expect bad things to happen, but we are in an earthquake area and there are fires and there are floods. I mean, there's stuff that happens that you need to understand. What is the risk to me based on what I signed on this contract? Yes. And it can be significant, can it? Absolutely. All right. If someone would like to learn more about Dom Commercial Real Estate Services or you directly, how do they find your firm online? They can go to uh, Dom Commercial Real Estate, um, or they can actually just email me, Ken.Holbert, H-U-L-B-E-R-T, at DomCommercial.com, and Dom is spelled D-A-U-M. Perfect. You're a good guest. Thanks for doing that. Hey, thanks for making the time so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to our community. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it today. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had. I'd like to thank our engineer for today's show, Paul Roberts, our producer, Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our social media manager is Asia Celestino. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.